are listening to a podcast from The National. The UAE has long had a love affair with the motor car, but recently the country has seen the emergence of local companies creating high-end, high-performance, hand-built sports cars and supercars. My name is Chris Nelson, and I'm delighted to be joined today for this Business Extra podcast by The National's motoring editor, Adam Workman, to talk about the rise of these UAE-made dream machines. Hi, Adam. How you doing? Good. Um... There are several companies that seem to have sprung up recently. Um, I've got Gianarelli Motors, um, W have been W Motors been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, Zarouk, etc. What, what do you think um, is the What do you think is the attraction of, of these cars for this particular area? Um, I feel like I mean we mentioned W Motors. They seem to have been one of the sort of drivers for this. That they've they've had a little bit of a success. Um, they're involved with the, the Fast and Furious movie mm-hmm. that was shot in Abu Dhabi, and that that's kind of I think maybe made people realise a little bit that this can be done from this region. Um, you know, they've become kind of Instagram gold <laughs> in terms yeah. of their their uh, their cars. The first one, the the Lycan, and now the uh, the Fenner. So mm-hmm. they're they I think they've probably pushed that a little bit. Um, and these but, really are supercars, aren't they? Yeah, they're, I mean. They're, they're, you know, we're talking uh, billion, uh, sorry, millions of dollars, yeah. and uh, you know, multi-million dirhams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's very much the rarefied area end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think obviously, like you said, it's always been a, a massive thing in the region for a love of fast cars. But now people are sort of realizing uh, that they can maybe get involved themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think? Um, you know, with the Lamborghinis and and the Ferraris and uh, and others of that ilk, as they have have sort of um, increased um, sales of, of of their cars, do you think that there is a certain sense that the exclusivity maybe is going out a bit, and that with something from from one of these smaller companies based here, you are certainly guaranteed of exclusivity? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I, my experience of, of driving, let's like, say, Ferraris, Lamborghinis in the the UAE. Sometimes people don't even look twice, yeah. which is a bizarre thing when you're in, you know, like a, a million, two million Durham uh, supercar. But yeah. you know, you can drive down the street and people won't look. At it. People are looking for something a little bit different. I yeah. think now it's become, if not passe, it's become almost the norm, uh, which is obviously a very strange situation to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it's very one percenter here, but um, yeah. but yeah. So I think that people are looking for something that really will, you know, make people stop and turn heads. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I certainly think some of these cars will do that. Yeah, I mean. Exactly Examples being, I suppose, the Zaruk um, Sandracer GT5, uh, G- GT500, mm-hmm. which um, looks like it was literally beamed down from another planet. Yeah, it, it looks like an alien version of maybe the BMW X6. Doesn't yeah. it? It looks, it's got that kind of hunch, very aggressive look to it. And yeah, uh, yeah the, the idea of you know taking the, the supercar off road as well is sort of a, a, a new thing. Obviously, that it's been become a big thing for the, these manufacturers. You know, Ferrari mm-hmm. being an exception actually at the moment, but um, probably to, not long to join. Well, the party, yeah, probably but, yeah. so. But for in terms of the SUVs, but nobody's quite gone that next level. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think probably the the Lamborghini Urus that's just been uh, launched may well be something that will compete mm-hmm. with that on that mm-hmm. level in terms mm-hmm. of the, the the real speedy SUVs. Yeah. Um, but I guess the real test will be how fast they can go off road. Absolutely, and and Zaruk does describe it as the world's first um, desert supercar. Mm-hmm. Um, from what you know, do you think it, do you think that's a reasonable claim to make? It'll be interesting to see see what it can do, whether it can actually dune bash, or whether we're just talking more you know going over flat sand, yeah. but um, or whether it'll be you know on a level. Of sort of these Bajaj trucks, the, yeah. you know, the, the Raptors, and the, the very heavily spe- modified and specialised uh, trucks for off-roading. But it will certainly be interesting to see how it withstands those kind yeah. of uh, 
demands. I mean, the company's certainly confident of it. I mean, I, I spoke to uh, to a couple of the guys who were involved with the company, and they were basically saying, look, it's been specifically designed to be as comfortable on the Sheikh Zayed Road as it would be on the Dakar Rally. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a big claim to make. So. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, I, but this is start being a little bit of a trend as well. We're, a few weeks ago, we went to drive the new Maserati Levante. Mm-hmm. And whereas before, they lent me, uh, me a car last year for the, the launch model year, uh, and I drove it on the road. This time, they took us out into the desert on the sort of border of Ras al-Khaimah and Sharjah. And really, they had off-road specialists and really gave it a ragging yeah. around <laughs> some pretty, you know, decent terrain, um, banking on almost 45-degree wow, dunes. Yeah. And yeah, it, it stood up I think possibly at some points a few little body parts fell off but um, <laughs> that's again the test yeah. I guess whether they can look good on the roads and also yeah. you know not fall to bits when yeah. you, you really give them some punishment yeah. but um, yeah it'll be interesting to see for sure kind of at the other end of, of, of the that extremely futuristic design is is of course Generali Motors mm-hmm. um, offering um, the design one which uh, is is a it's a it's a it's a lovely look. It's a beautiful looking car, actually, um, uh, and it has this retro feel about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, talking to Anthony, the the creator and, and founder of Generali Motors, he was saying that, um, that it was a specific desire to move away from this uh, idea of, of ultra modernistic looking cars and and hark back to the sort of sixties and early seventies, the era of Steve McQueen and Le Mans stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any other sort of uh, companies taking that kind of route? Do you think it might become a more a more general um, way that we hark back? Because obviously now we have the technology to make those kind of cars comfortable to drive and mm-hmm. a lot faster and, and all this that and the other. Um, but but the the kind of um, the beauty of those cars from that period. Do you think there's an opportunity for for other manufacturers to kind of hark back to those design cues and, and maybe bring out their own version? Yeah, certainly the, the little two-seat roadster kind of design is something I think that's never really gone out of fashion. Mm. But um, I think as well as, as car design gets more and more modernized and in some ways kind of homogenized, that people are always looking for something that's going to just pique the interest a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, however young or old you are, you <laughs> probably can't deny that some of those those classic 60s designs, I mean, certainly I think the, the Generali probably takes some from the see Cobra and yeah. some of the, the cars from that era yeah. um, it, it never really goes out of style mm-hmm. for sure and I, I definitely think there's there's probably a yeah, maybe a niche market but definitely yeah. a market for, yeah. for those kind of cars yeah and and uh, of, of these cars I mean we've got obviously the Charlie N360 is an mm-hmm. open top car too um, now the Generali has an option for a hard top so um, you know we can't say that it's only an open mm-hmm. open open seater um, but do you think Given the the weather here, do you think uh, um, it's maybe not the most ideal market for open top seats? Uh, I've I've always found it kind of surprising that you you think God you'll get to you know May and if you have an open top car you're just going to roast alive. Mm. But the, I mean the main problem is putting some factor fifty on because you will get sunburned <laughs> yeah, within about yeah. fifteen minutes. But yeah. actually when you know when you've got the wind in your hair and uh, you know the, you've got the the top off, it's you can you can drive it for most months of the year yeah. so long as you're not sat in traffic basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and yeah, it's not, it's not going to work well with an umbrella. The look uh, won't work. No. He might also have some problems with the umbrella, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think there's probably actually more markets than sometimes people realise for convertible cars here, just because it, it is actually more manageable than people mm-hmm. may think. But still, yeah, June, July, August, maybe yeah. you won't want to put it in the garage yeah. and, and leave yeah. it for a few months. Yeah, mind you, I guess I guess you would never buy these really as a work car, would you? you know? No, no, these these are definitely your, your fun weekend yeah. cars for people yeah. that probably have four, five, six, maybe yeah. more other cars that they'll have for more practical purposes. Yeah. So yeah, it's. 
it's definitely a kind of a bit of fun on the weekend, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 obviously the, the, their performance is is um, is designed to to attract the the driver. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I've, I've been in the Generali and it, and it's incredibly exhilarating. It's fast and its cornering is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but some of these companies make uh, some pretty outrageous claims, don't they? I mean, the the Devil Sixteen apparently uh, looking at five hundred five thousand horsepower and beyond. What's yeah. that all about? Yeah, it's it's quite incredible figures that I think sometimes can have a detrimental effect to what the people's first impressions because obviously their first impression would be like, how, why <laughs> um, is this even possible? Yeah. Um, and in fact, speaking to someone from Devil at the recent International Motor Show in Dubai. Uh, they claimed that it may even be more like 7,000 horsepower when it That's actually comes ludicrous. to it, yeah. which uh, just makes the mind boggle. Um, yeah. This past weekend, I just drove the Bugatti Chiron, which is 1,500 uh-huh. horsepower, <laughs> and that is insane on itself, in itself. So if you do the maths and then you're working, you know, three, four, five, six times that, yeah. I don't know how that works in terms of getting the power down onto the road. We're, I mean, we're, we're almost talking like Richard Noble's thrust too. Yeah, you know, I was like going to say, that's a jet engine, surely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I still would be very interested to drive it. Um, yeah. Whether I'll come back alive or not is <laughs> another matter. But um, yeah, I mean, but it's it's something that definitely grabs attention. Yeah, I think yeah. they certainly got a lot of attention through yeah. those claims. So it will be interesting to see how verifiable they are. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the uh, the motor show. The fact that it's twice a year. Do you think that kind of um, helps to throw a light on these smaller companies um, on the years, wider sorry, stage? Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, every two. Yeah, years. Um, yeah. I think it almost it kind of uh, crystallizes it a little bit. Because if you had it every year, there would be you know, it, it would almost be a cycle that was never ending. Mm. Whereas to have it every two years, it puts maybe more of a light on, you know, Dubai cars, uh, you know, at a specific time. Yeah. So it, it does kind of bring it all together that way. And I certainly do think, I mean, for example, W Motors, they, mm-hmm. it seems like they coordinated their launch of their two cars over the past two motor shows. Right. So it, it it seems to be a focal point for manufacturers mm-hmm. to aim at here. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, certainly this year it did feel like there was an actual kind of almost mini scene of, yeah. of UAE produce, yeah. uh, car producers yeah. that was almost brought together by that. So it was really yeah. good to see that, obviously, alongside all the, the yeah. international marks. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, there's the, the, the one uh, interesting, the one in linking factor between uh, the Lycan and the Generelli and the... the um, Sand racer is Mr. Gianarelli himself. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously an in-demand designer. He's, yeah. uh, he's clearly probably the number one guy in the UAE for this yeah. at the moment. So um, yeah. it's, it's it's interesting to see as well that he, you know, he, he obviously is a very versatile designer mm. because you, you couldn't look at those three cars next to each other and really say that they no, shared no. much in terms of its the, the design DNA. No, so, you, um, wouldn't, you wouldn't think it. No, so no, that's no. that's testament to yeah. what he can do. He's obviously a very uh, talented guy. And, and moving away from the UAE, um, Obviously, other design classics. Um, you know, we've got the situation with uh, with Aston Martin at the moment. Um, they're uh, you know they're, they're back in in profits. They're, they seem to be riding a wave at the moment. Um, they're thinking of of, of uh, an initial public offering along the lines of Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think um, Aston have managed to turn it around? Because they were they were in pretty bad shape not more than two years ago, really. Yeah, I think they they've just really looked at things and they have this second century plan that mm. they they've obviously realised they need to kind of buck their ideas up a little yeah. bit and and also kind of regenerate as a as a car maker in terms of the fact that I mean the main criticism that was aimed at them was most of their cars look the, have looked the same for yeah. 10, 10, 15, maybe more years and and I I've got to say I agree yeah. um, but the DB11 is a fantastic car. 
that that as the first sort of statement of intent, I think, has been brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, and now the new Vantage, mm -hmm. um, it's been a kind of uh, divisive car, I think. When yeah. it was, you know, they uh, unveiled it a few weeks ago that I was actually with a group of motoring journalists mm -hmm. on a, and a trip and... The, the the kind of consensus was not very positive. A lot of people really? violently hated it. To be honest, really? um, might have been to do with the weird sort of lime green launch color they did. <laughs> right, but, yeah. but personally, I think it's a really nice looking car. And I've um, only seen the pictures, but I agree. I think it looks beautiful. Yeah, I think, and it's definitely taken some of the DB10, mm -mm. Uh, you know, design lines out of the, the James Bond car from Spectre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think in terms of you know relaunching their company from the car point of view, they. They're doing a great job mm. at the moment. Mm. But then it also seems like they're diversifying with the, the AM34 speedboat mm. that they've launched. Yep, yep, they've got yep. this submarine. Yeah, they're yeah. building houses in uh, Miami, I believe, <laughs> in Florida. Um, so, right. you know, they're, they're really going for a lifestyle brand rather yeah. than just, you know, yeah. a specialist car yeah. company. So I, I think that probably is a, a wider trend with mm. a lot of these luxury car makers mm. as well. You know, it's not just about cars. It's about offering this whole lifestyle yeah. to your, your yeah. rare customers. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, of course, we can't really talk about the automotive sector without talking about driverless cars. Mm -hmm. um, I was at Jitex uh, in October and I was talking to Mercedes um, about their F015 driverless thing, mm -hmm. which is an astonishing-looking machine. Have mm -hmm. you seen pictures of it? I know maybe you've seen it in the flesh. But yeah. uh, do, you, do you think... Do you think uh, more mainstream um, pr manufacturers will have to get into the driverless uh, segment um, and those that are first movers are going to have a definite advantage? I, I think so, for sure. It was interesting when uh, Tesla came to launch in Dubai in February, I believe it was, and Elon Musk was asked whether he thought, which he thought was coming first, fully autonomous cars leading the way or mm -hmm. electric cars leading the way. And given that there are obviously a lot more electric cars on the road, yeah. than, well, there are none or fully automated <laughs> yeah. cars on the road at the moment, <laughs> Um, you you would have expected him to say electric, but he truly believes that autonomy is going to be the thing that you know overtakes the yeah, electric movement yeah. because, in his words, you can make any current car, you can adapt it to, to with the technology to make it autonomous, yeah, yeah. but you you can't. It's more difficult to you know rip out a, a petrol powertrain and, yeah. and turn it electric. Yeah, so I yeah. think it, yeah, it's definitely. It, there's nothing we can do to stop it, even if you, yeah. however fond you are of, <laughs> you know, driving and you know the the person to car connection, yeah. It, yeah. it's it's unstoppable. It's on its way out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's interesting that the tech developments, um, particularly you say, you know, with with Musk looking at it and and, and saying that in the long term, longer term, um, autonomous will take over. Um, the other, I guess, the other threat to to electric um, could be seen in the form of of, of hydrogen and, and the fuel cell. Uh, developments so far. I mean, again, Mercedes of the uh, of that driverless version, which is electric at the moment, but they have a hydrogen version in development. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder how how Elon might think about the development of hydrogen, given that he's an electric battery maker. Yeah, as well. it feels it feels a bit like the old nineteen uh, eighties Betamax versus VHS kind yeah. of battle that you you can't quite you don't know which one to put your money on at the moment. Um, I, I guess I've, I've driven the uh, the Toyota hydrogen powered mm -hmm. car, the Mirai, yeah. and. Um, the, the one thing that does definitely have its favor is the refueling process is very fast, um, but there is no network at the moment. Mm. I, I believe that well, when we went to uh, drive that car, it was the, the launch of the first hydrogen station in the UAE in Dubai, uh -huh. up near Festival City in okay. Abadiya. And, yeah. um, it, so, you know, without that, <laughs> you can't plan your you know, your journeys around one fuel station. No, it's just impractical. No. Um, so until what, what are, what's the range like on, on on that kind of car? Is it comparable or I better? I think it's than fairly comparable to to petrol in terms of the you know mm -hmm. full tank, how far it will get you. Mm -hmm. But um, 
yeah, it's, it's still not enough. It would need to be several thousand kilometers if there's only one petrol station. Well, yeah. you know, like, and, and obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's great if you live in Dubai, but if you live in Abu Dhabi, Fujairah, Ras yeah. al or the way, yeah. you know, out towards Saudi, then it's not going to work for yeah. you. So until they have got that kind of network, um, I think that it's going to struggle to to keep pace mm-hmm. with the electric cars. But then again, I mean, obviously, we've seen with with electric that, that there has been a sudden uh, explosion of, of charging stations. Oh, not only not an explosion, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that would put people off. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't work well, would it? No. Um, but there's there's been a you know a, a definite acceleration in in um, putting these charging points around. Not only in the UAE, but you know we have we have companies like I think it's Shell. Um, planning to to build several hundred in the UK, mm-hmm. um, and the same with other other um, providers across Europe. Um, so so there isn't provided that um, it's it's worthwhile doing. Then there's there's no practical reason why they can't put together a, a network. No, no, I think that definitely um, it, it can be done. But I wonder whether also you've you've kind of got the the cachet that Tesla has got, for example, in the electric cars. That I'm, I'm not even sure how much people care about the propulsion of their cars here. Yeah. It's whether their car's cool. And Tesla yeah. is a brand that people are bought into in the same way they would buy into Ferrari or Lamborghini yeah. or yeah. Apple or, you know, yeah. the, these huge brands that people want to be seen with. And, yeah, I have driven the Model S and the Model X, uh-huh. and they're also incredible cars. Yeah. They're, they're some of the most ridiculous acceleration that you will experience anyway. You know, yeah. it's, as I said, I, I drove the Bugatti Vera on this past yeah. weekend. It's comparable, you know. It's really? that it, it yeah. really, and without any, you know, obviously combustion, mm-hmm. it, it's just straight acceleration. Yeah, it's, enormous torque, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, and I'm actually full disclosure, I guess, that I have actually pre-ordered a, a Model Three when, <laughs> when, when they come to UAE next year. So right. I'm, I've kind of, I am a convert in terms of the the Tesla cores. Yeah. So um, I think possibly until the, the the manufacturers come up with a car. Or, or a brand that has, you know, that kind of mm. level of, mm. uh, you know, interest and not quite exclusivity, but, you know, just the, the fact that people will see it and think that's just a cool brand. Yeah, because Tesla was such a big change, wasn't it? It was an absolute step change because beforehand it was, you know, the, the electric car was something that was kind of consigned to the the, the realms of, you know, tree huggers and, and well, that kind was, of thing. It was the butt of jokes, basically. Yeah. It? it was, yeah. you know, a laughing matter mostly yeah. until the Tesla came in there. And I think yeah. they, they really shook it up a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, and obviously with the new Roadster that they've just launched, mm. they reckon it will do not to 100 kilometres an hour in uh, 1.9 seconds, which is <laughs> it doesn't really bear thinking about. No. It. Like yeah, it's it's going to break your brain actually, yeah. <laughs> accelerating yeah. at that speed. But yeah, yeah it's uh, it's an interesting time for this stuff. For sure. And of course, at the launch of the Roadster there was was off the back of the launch of the the electric truck, of course, mm. which um, which has long been a. Um, an area where where uh, truck manufacturers have been saying no, you can't you can't have an electric truck because it, it it's too heavy and the amount of batteries you need just doesn't make it worthwhile. Do, mm-hmm. do you think maybe maybe uh, Tesla have again cracked the market with with the, on the truck front? I th- I think the problem well not the problem but the good thing is if you give Elon Musk a, a problem that <laughs> they say is impossible he makes it possible he mm. sees that as a challenge you know you can you've also seen his, his SpaceX um, explorations and the the other uh, exploits he's had with Tesla. He, you know, it seems like there's there's nothing that Tesla can't do mm. if they really put their minds mm. to it. They, they've taken the sort of the, the, 
the uh, well, apart from apart from hit delivery targets. Well, that is true. But, <laughs> but in terms of the technology, yeah. they you know they they really have sort of changed the game in motion. They they've kind of gone back to the you know step one and, and built from the ground up and looked at things in completely different ways. Mm-hmm. And every time someone's told them you can't do this, they've gone well, why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's I think it's very much changed the mentality. And I think yeah. the, the traditional motor manufacturers are sort of playing catch up. Now, yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Um, I, I understand you're going to the CES next month. What yes. what uh, what are you expecting to see there? Do you think? Uh, well, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, panels on you know future transport, self-driving cars, connected vehicles, um, the, the absolute you know cutting edge of this technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting time as well because I believe they just announced today in, in Britain about legislation with uh, self-parking cars. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How, how they're now going to be that's going to be legal, whereas before yeah. it was a grey area. Yeah. And um, and by 2021, they're looking at fully self-driving. Uh, legislation so uh-huh. it's definitely uh, we're at a point now where everything isn't quite in place yeah. but we're, we're very much on the edge of all that happening on the for right sure. road and it's, yeah. I mean you know we're, we're coming into 2018 we're talking in three years yeah. you know two three years things will definitely be changing it yeah. we, we just ran a road test in the last couple of weeks of the ID A8 okay. um, which is the first level three autonomous because there are five levels aren't there I believe so yeah. yeah so with five being the fully autonomous exactly yeah, yeah. so you know we're well on the road towards that mm-hmm. now and people that have driven that car say it's it's something else in, yeah. in terms of the technological impact what's got to catch up I guess is the, the technology to make these cars be able to drive, be yeah, driven yeah. without drivers yeah, on roads, absolutely, and the regulations, of course, okay, yeah, yeah, insurance, and, yeah, yeah. The, the the red tape may be the the biggest uh, mm. constricting factor in that because the the technology is pretty much all there, yeah. from what we can tell. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, it, it, sorry, going back to CES as yeah. well, but there's some interesting panels. The one on self-driving cars, its uh, its main speaker is the Michigan, uh, Michigan governor Rick Snyder, who okay. famously uh, tried to boot Tesla out of his state. Oh, um, right. Obviously, Michigan. Detroit being yeah, the big yeah. kind of centre of the motoring industry and, and he went, a few years ago went through the courts to basically stop Tesla selling without an authorised dealership network and they've kind of ripped up the model again with this where they, they sell online they you know mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. you don't have to go and do the bricks and mortar thing with them so much so that will be interesting to see what he has to say yeah, because yeah. he's clearly an, an old world yeah. guy you know coming from that he must regret view. it surely he's got to look a little bit foolish at yeah. this point and you know at a time when Detroit and the wider sort of American motor industry had been struggling mm. why not give it a, a boost with something yeah. that's doing well you know why not support that but yeah, um, absolutely. I, I guess it's like a lot of industries the recording industry and music was scared of new technology yeah. the car industry seems to be the same yeah. I guess it's a human nature isn't it really mm-hmm. um, obviously off the ground there's uh, there was a big 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 uh, headlines made earlier this year well at the start of the year when um when the RTA in Dubai announced that it had in fact flown uh, flying cars across the city, and yep. it was going to said at the time they were going to be brought in by uh, by the summertime, which proved a little bit ambitious. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you see as, as as the potential future for that in in cities, particularly like um, uh, Dubai? I guess I mean it's got to be a good thing if it will work because I'm sure we've all been sat in you know rush hour traffic on the Sheikh Zayed Road. And yeah. It's not a massive amount of fun. No. So anything that can you know alleviate that will be a good thing for everyday life. Yeah. Um, 
I guess the, the proof will be in how well it, it works in its trials in the first few you know weeks and months of them actually running as a you know a commercial venture, mm-hmm. where, uh, and also how much it costs, of course, because yeah, you know yeah. I, I, I guess there will be a you know the rarefied end of the spectrum where people won't care what they pay; they'll pay you know twenty thousand dirhams if it gets them to work on time. But <laughs> yeah. not all of us can quite afford to, no. <laughs> to, to do that. No. So uh, you know it's got to be comparable to getting an Uber, getting yeah. an RTA taxi, yeah. you know, getting yeah. uh, regular transport, yeah. uh, and in a country where the petrol is still so cheap you know the, yeah it, what's going to be the attraction yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's i guess it's uh it's it's yeah the the, the uniqueness of it would be the, yeah, attraction the novelty in the first certainly place. will yeah. be uh, yeah i mean it would be quite a thing to you know it'd be a, a, a selfie extravaganza yeah. i'm sure to be taking a <laughs> yeah. flying taxi to work yeah, um absolutely, but yeah, yeah uh, anything that sort of revolutionizes the the transport networks yeah. hopefully will be a good thing well, that was fascinating, uh, uh, um, a fly through the world of, uh, of cars here and, of course, uh, the future of transport. Um, thanks very much to uh, the Nationals motoring editor, Adam Workman, for that high adrenaline skip through the wonderful world of cars. Uh, my name's Chris Nelson, and that was the Business Extra podcast. You can find us at www.thenational.ae.